Synopsis. Tate moves into her brother's high-rise apartment as she's in between looking for places to live. On the day she moves in, there is a man stooped over the door, who is blocking her way. Upon calling her brother for help, he convinces her this stranger is a friend and she should bring him in. Unhappy about this arrangement as she is, she can't help but notice, the stranger is rather dashing. So when he comes to his senses the following morning, Tate realizes the dashing young man, is also an absolute knob. The undeniable chemistry leads to an agreement, and that surely can't end well. Can we talk about how ugly this cover is? Pretty much every edition of this book has a disastrous cover. I think there's also another book with the exact same stock photo. Considering how big of an author she is, surely the publishing house can afford better artwork? The girl with a pencil in her hair. Ah yes the girl next door. What else could she possibly be? She's effortlessly messy but stylish. Feels like she's barely put together and she's everybody's dream girl because she's relatable. I'm joking, she most certainly is not. I didn't hate Tate, but I sure as hell didn't like her either. And here's why. I think it's in the fact that she is presented as beautiful without effort, and she can make anything look sexy without trying. In attempting to be relatable, and stating that it comes so naturally to her, already distances you as a reader, because truthfully we know. Someone who has worked a 10-12 to hour shift is going to look and smell like crap, and is going to be physically and mentally exhausted. People around you will notice. I promise. The fact that Miles never picks up on this, is magical, really. Greater than my hair is in a loose knot on top of my head, secured with a pencil, since I couldn't find a hair tie while I was driving. My eyes are usually as brown as my hazelnut hair, but right now, they look ten shades darker, thanks to the bags under them. Greater than. Greater than P3, ugly love. Who talks in their heads like that? Her inner monologue sounds forced because it sounds like a weak device used to explain to the audience what Tate looks like. I don't know if it's just me who does this but, the more hyper-specific the details were given about the protagonist's appearance, the more likely I am to forget those details and build my own image in my head while I'm reading. It also has a tendency to start sounding a lot like a list a list of how she's accidentally pretty. I think personally for me, when I read protagonists like this in the romance genre, I want her to have some very normal flaw or crack at the seams of her personality. That isn't to say that Tate isn't without flaws, I mean her logic at continuing a doomed relationship under the impression that she can fix Miles, is rather daft and delusional. But I digress. The point is that, there are times when a woman isn't always sexy or feminine in all that they do or wear or say. Sometimes, they are just very tired human beings, and I think that's where the point of being able to understand or relate become difficult. Especially since these small traits she's given are meant to make you feel like she is the girl next door. It paints this illusion of perfection on accidental happenings that are very convenient and frequent. Tate never verbalizes the difficulties she faces throughout her day, and I would be shocked if she didn't have a few things to say as a practicing nurse. The majority of the narrative is told via her perspective, and in first person, but the only aspect I came to learn of her was, Tate in relation to Miles. Her thoughts are constantly centered on Miles. As a fully functioning adult, there must be other things that happen to her in the day, it's a very narrow look on her character, and I think the idea that she is studying and working simultaneously gives a dubious idea to the reader that she has her shit together. She clearly does not, as she is unable to separate herself from said toxic man, when he can't respect her enough to let her go, knowing she expects more out of this than he does. Is Miles a Joe Goldberg? I spent a large chunk of my time while reading this, trying to figure out what exactly makes Miles attractive. And the only thing I'm getting is the fact that he comes off as mysterious because he lacks good communication skills, and a good therapist possibly. Upon meeting Rachel, 
His narrator's voice scarily sounds a lot like Joe Goldberg, the main character from popular book and TV series You. As his eyes catch her view from across a hallway, he decides she will have his babies. No I'm not paraphrasing anything here. He literally sees a random young woman and fantasizes an entire arse life with her. If those are not red flags, then I don't know what is. Greater than your. Greater than. Greater than gonna. Greater than. Greater than fall. Greater than. Greater than in. Greater than. Greater than love. Greater than. Greater than with. Greater than. Greater than me. Greater than. Greater than Rachel. Greater than. Greater than P37, ugly love. Why? Why is it written like this? The layout of the text, I assume is to mirror how Miles is falling in love with Rachel, hence the layout descending narrowly. I can't help but find it kind of cliched. If it were any other context I could see it being sentimental, except he hasn't even had a conversation with her. If he were to be written out like a Joe Goldberg, this layout would have had a better impact, because it would reflect a downward mental spiral, but in this case we are made to continue to believe that he is a worthy leading man, who is being rational. Why is celibacy shocking? I think one of the issues I found sort of difficult wrapping my head around was the way in which the idea of celibacy being profoundly odd was put across. The fact that Tate is astounded by the fact that Miles chooses to remain celibate after a rather painful relationship, seems strikingly odd, almost as if there is something wrong with choosing not to have sex with strangers on a regular basis. It's not really a topic that is debated or even explored, it's just a given that someone who conforms to the beauty standards and is financially stable would be sitting around not having sex. Which then leads the question why are emotional requirements not associated to the physical needs of a person? As a man, why is Miles considered strange for not wanting to pursue just sex? Not that he doesn't agree to exactly that later on, and it is Tate who wishes to pursue something beyond the physical in their relationship, but the importance of emotional needs ends up being undermined. I think it would have done well for the author to explore how these two aspects of a relationship can be very intimately connected, or how they can be desired independently and what those consequences are for different people. Why is Miles attractive? I mean we've come this far and maybe it's because this was written in 2014 that there's some phrasings that are weird and don't exactly sit right. Though to be honest, I don't know if I wouldn't have raised an eyebrow back in 2014 because it hits hard on gender stereotypes that are perpetuated. So when Miles sees his brand new baby, this is one of the few things that he says. Greater than his circumcision. Greater than my stomach clenches. Greater than I'm so sorry Clayton. I know it'll hurt, and I know it's. Greater than emasculating, but. Greater than. Greater than P245, ugly love. How on God's green earth, is that the first thing that comes to mind? A baby being emasculated? The baby isn't even able to communicate much less understand the concept of gender. While circumcision is a topic that can have varied opinions, the fact that he thinks of how his child might feel less of a man, is just beyond me. Later this is followed by another convoluted conversation written in the same format, attempting poetry, where Rachel suggests a comical hypothetical. Greater than what if he commits an awful, heinous, heartless crime and greater than greater than gets sent to prison for life greater than greater than I would question where I went wrong as a father, I tell her. Greater than greater than she looks up at me. Well, based on this interrogation, I'm greater than greater than convinced he'll never commit a crime, because you're already greater than Greater than the best dad I've ever known. Greater than. Greater than P245, ugly love. I would like to chalk it up to the fact that they are supposed to be young parents, 
but honestly the arbitrary pessimism at a child's birth, I don't know how it's supposed to contribute to any part of the story. Am I supposed to think Miles is a fantastic dad because he would take on the responsibility for his son's failure or am I just strange for wondering why he doesn't just see the baby for what it is a freaking newborn baby? There is nothing thus far, that would make me believe that Miles is responsible in any way. Instead of dealing with the situation he continues to hide his relationship from his adult parents, and blaming his inability to communicate on past trauma from losing his mother. Mind you, part of his decisions are based on information that if you were to follow up on and actually have a conversation with his parent, would have lead to him making more logical decisions. While we might understand and even sympathize with Tate to an extent, I can't seem to understand nor like Miles. His sense of ownership and alpha vibes, come across as manipulative and controlling. Greater than she's mine. Greater than. Greater than P21, ugly love. Why is this considered attractive? It's not said protectively, it's said in a manner that would suggest she is an object. This doesn't just occur in his juvenile relationship with Rachel but with Tate as well. When a friend of his makes a move on Tate, he turns aggressive, and even makes Tate leave the apartment at one point instead of getting the said friend to leave. There's a plethora of these incidents and I just had to keep angry reading to see how more frustrated I could get. Why do we enjoy toxic romances? Having had so many things that frustrated me while reading Ugly Love, it is by far the quickest I have read a book, and it wasn't solely on the fact that it is an easy read. There is something addictive about the narrative. Is it watching the train wreck occur? Or the forbidden aspect that we might get a kick out of because we know realistically we wouldn't put up with it? I can't quite put my finger on it. I know this is an extremely popular book, that has done quite a few circles on several lists from last year but I need someone to explain to me why it is that Hoover is able to spurn out such addictive garbage, and we drink it up like it's ambrosia. Don't get me wrong I don't hate Colleen Hoover as a writer, I just don't have that feeling of having my heart broken like everyone else that adores her books. I might give her another chance, just to see if it will help me understand her fandom. Shop, Waterstones, Wordery, Blackwells. And to TBR, The Story Graph, Good, Reads.